And look who's coming up. Just about uh, 5 o'clock in uh, the east, uh, 3 o'clock in the mountain time zone where I am located watching playoff baseball. The Phillies holding off the Braves 7-6. The Mariners up 5-2 on the Astros. Still to come, the Guardians and uh, the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Padres. Little brother versus big brother in uh, California. Uh, you know, the, the Dodgers-Padre rivalry is uh, pretty good. Uh, I grew up with the uh, Oilers-Flames rivalry, which I think is the best one. And I know my next guest, Derek Van Deest, uh, loves watching those games, uh, covering those games uh, with Post Media and NHL.com. And DVD, it looked like that rivalry was going to be dead uh, in the water this summer when the Flames were going through their problems. Thanks to Bradtree Living, we will have it again. Are these the top two teams in the Pacific Division in your mind, or do you think somebody like Vegas or Vancouver or somebody else can sneak in there? I, I, yeah, I think that they're the top two teams. Uh, without doubt, going into the season, I think there's an issue where um, you, you're waiting to see uh, Calgary, they lost the two best players and they've replaced them. And you're right, uh, Brad Trey did a great job of replacing those players and keeping the, the standard high. And then you have Brent Sutter there, sorry, um, Daryl Sutter uh, in Calgary that, of course, gets the most of his players. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. They still have good goaltending, they have defense. It's just a matter of how many goals can they score. Will they have to beat everyone 2-1 uh, and things like that. So can they score any goals? But I think defensively and goaltending, they're pretty solid. So... Uh, they're, 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 I think they're still going to be a really solid team. And, of course, you have the Oilers, who, who really kind of loaded it up. And, and you look at the roster that went to Game 4 of the Western Conference Final, and um, this one looks even better. Uh, obviously, they, they've shot up their goaltending. They got some defensive help, and they got some, uh, a bit of injection of, of Jane Youth in Dylan Holloway. So I think the Oilers, to be honest, will run away with the division. I, I don't know. They'll be challenged, everything together, and play as well as they're expected. Um, I think they'll run away with the division, but it'll be interesting to see where Calgary and Vancouver slots in. I'd like to see how much gas uh, um, has in the tank. Almost, they went all in uh, early on, and then uh, now we've got some of those veterans there that maybe get a little long in the tooth. So you see how much they get. And then you, I don't think you can discount the Los Angeles Kings and what they did last year and how much that playoff run just getting to game seven first round uh, does for a young team uh, into the following season uh dvd i'm just going to get you to just log out quickly and log right back in we're just getting a bit of an audio jump so if, if uh you can do that just real quickly and we will get uh right back to you man uh and then uh, sure. yeah that, that would be great we're just getting a little uh, uh hiccup so just just quickly log out and log back in it should uh fix that um, and, and while we're waiting for that, I, I think some really good points. I mean, this is a, a an LA King team that almost upset the Oilers, who went to the the quarterfinal or the conference finals. So they're going to be a lot better. I think the Calgary Flames are actually improved uh, over last year. I think Huberto is going to make a bigger difference than Johnny Gaudreau uh, offensively and defensively. Um, so I, I really think that this Calgary team is better 
than they were last year um, with those additions and Mackenzie Weger. And I look at that Florida team, and, and I don't think that they are as good, uh, nearly as good as uh, what they were last year, especially that blue line. So I think that's what's going to be um, what's going to make the Battle of Alberta better is that the Flames, I think, got better up front and, and on the blue line, and obviously they were pretty good. I think they're going to be a little tougher to play against. And the goaltending for the Oilers is going to be much better. I mean, Jack Campbell coming in uh, as the number one guy is, is in, in my opinion, a lot better. Uh, and, and I think a lot better than the combination of Mike Smith and uh, Koskinen. So uh, I think so anyway. Um, I think that uh, it's, it's going to be um, a better Flames team. But I also think a better Oilers team because of that goaltending. We got DVD back now. And I was just saying, I think the Flames are actually better without Gaudreau, with Tuberto, with Mackenzie Weger. And I think the Oilers are, are better as well, even though they're, you know, you mentioned Dylan Holloway, but Jack Campbell, I just think, is a much better option. And Stuart Skinner is going to push him. So do you, if you had to pick which team improved over the offseason between the Oilers and Flames, what would you go with? Uh, well, I would good. I would go with the Oilers because the Oilers did not lose that type of offense that the Flames did. The, the, the Oilers, Flames have to replace that offense from Goudreau and Kachuk, and, and and as well as they did to bring those guys in. I don't think Huberto does does replace that offense, and I think they're they're still going to have some issues scoring goals as opposed to last season. What I do think, though, I think the Flames are a bit more of a playoff ready team than they were last year. The knock on Goudreau obviously was he's a, he's a perimeter player. He plays on the outside. When things get tough in the playoffs, he doesn't really go to the net. He doesn't go to the hard areas. Um, I think he had a, he had a couple of really good games in the playoffs, but I think that was one of the knocks on him. And I think now that the, the Flames have that team, they have that team that plays hard, goes to those areas, and, and will will sacrifice to to win games. And I think the Oilers um, they know what it takes as well. And, and and even their star players are willing to make those those commitments and willing to make that those sacrifices and they saw that that's what it takes to get to this uh, conference final and that's what it takes to get beyond a conference final so I think the owners didn't lose anything to me I think there was there was little subtraction when it comes to the owners and they just added I think Jack Campbell you're right that's a big piece because just just in the fact that you know if he stays healthy and he plays well he gives them that solid goaltending uh, Mike Smith was up and down. Mike Smith can have great nights and had terrible nights. Uh, Mike Smith wasn't always healthy, so he, he couldn't have been relied on. So I think that was one of the issues with Mike Smith last year. And Miko Koskinen, we knew what he was. He was an average goaltender that every now and then had a pretty good game. So I think that was the situation with Miko Koskinen. But now you're right. They have two pretty good goaltenders. Stewart can improve last year that he can play in this league, that he can push, push your starting goaltender. Ken Holland said he wants to see a 50-30 game split, something like that, between the two of them. So he's not going to sit on the bench and just open the door all season. He's going to get his opportunity as well. And, and if he can push Jack Campbell, both of them, uh, I think it's going to help the Oilers a lot. So I think the Oilers' goaltending situation is as stable as it has been since maybe uh, Devin Dubnik was here. Uh, towards the end of the season, since maybe Dwayne Rolison was here. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been a while since it's been that stable, I think, for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm totally with you on that. I was talking about that the other day, is that uh, you know, I think Rolison, um, you know, that great playoff run, and then the next year was probably the, the last bit. And, you know, isn't it amazing? This is how it goes. Is uh, And you, you can read in Wayne Gretzky's autobiography about them walking past the dressing room against the Islanders and realizing, oh, 
it's not just easy to win a cup. And every team kind of goes through this evolution of, you know, having a bit of a run, realizing that we can't just be all fun and games and score 6,000 points and win. It takes a different kind of hockey. And, and it seems in no matter what the sport is, there's always that, that light bulb moment that goes on for each team. And maybe this is it for the Oilers. Well, you, you think about it. Look, look at the struggles and, and the frustration that the Avalanche went through. Yeah. in those playoff series. They lost a lot of playoff series before they won. And you have to go through that. You almost have to learn by that. It's very rare that a team doesn't have that adversity and goes on to win a championship. So you look at some of those championship teams, um, even back in the, in the Oilers' day, they lost to the Islanders and they had to realize, okay, this is what it takes to win. The Islanders were the same way back then when they lost to the Maple Leafs. This is what it takes to win. And, and so you see that. You saw that the evolution – Colorado Avalanche went through that. Tampa Bay Lightning went through those frustrations. They lost in the first round of the Columbus Blue Jackets that one year where everyone thought, hey, they're going to roll over everyone in the East. So you have to go through those moments, and, and you learn from those moments, and you appreciate those moments. And I think it's important to learn from that. I think they learned a lot from the four-game sweep against the Winnipeg Jets. I think they learned a lot from the, the losing four games to the Chicago Blackhawks in the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I think they took those lessons. And, and they were, you know, it was, it was tight. They went to game seven in the first round. Had they lost to Los Angeles, that would have been another huge disappointment for the Edmonton Oilers. But they were able to get over that hump. They got over that hump. Then they beat Calgary. And I think um, it just, it's just a matter of now they just want to take that next step. They want to get back to the Western Conference Final, and they want to challenge to get into the Stanley Cup Final. And then from then, who knows what can happen. But you have to learn those lessons. And they're tough lessons to learn. And the only way you can do it is by experiencing them. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Yuri, Yuri Gurriel has uh, hit a home run for the Astros. It's now 6-3. The Mariners leading that one in the bottom of the fourth. And and maybe the reason they were able to get past L.A. in that game seven is because of the the tough losses to Winnipeg and Chicago before that. And then, as you mentioned, like Nathan McKinnon. Remember Nathan McKinnon a couple of years ago at the podium? Like, he was pissed and mad and you could tell like I'm, I'm sick of this and then they they got over the hump and 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 that's what I look at I look at this western conference I still think it goes through the central division you still could have five teams from the central Colorado was great I think St. Louis is 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 just an excellent club every year Nashville looks like they're coming along I mean do you th- do you think the the road to the final still ultimately um, is is the centrals to lose in the in the west well I, I think they're, they're the toughest division I think the, every night in and night out they're gonna have some tough games and then they're gonna they're gonna be beating up on each other a lot this year I think uh, the, the Pacific division is not as tough uh, I think there's just a lot of teams that are still kind of in that rebuilding mode and, and still trying to develop some younger players. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. That central division is, is, a, is a tough division, and it's going to be a war every night because you've got three or four teams that, that are capable of winning that division. I think unlike the Pacific, which, which I think is the Oilers to lose, I, I think they, there's a lot of teams there that can make some noise and, and, and really uh, are kind of in that prime part of, of, of their development where, where they, they're, they're trying to get that window, uh, that winning window to open. I think St. Louis was there. It closed a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to get it back, and I think that's what's going to make them such a, a strong team this season. So there's, there's going to be a lot of competitive teams in that Central Division. I agree with you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's going to be really fun. And, and let's, like, I look at the Oilers' schedule, 
and it's great. Like six, uh, when have you ever seen a six-game homestand to start a season? It's great for the writers. You guys get, you don't have to travel right, right away. Uh, but this is really huge for the Oilers in some winnable games. Like I was look, going through the schedule last night. I think the Oilers can win 51 games this year. I think they can get to 51, and I think that would be enough to, to win the Pacific. And, you know, we've seen this team get off to terrible starts. This is an opportunity yeah. to get off to a really great start at home for this team. Yeah, it's been handed to them. It's it's six in a row to start the season, and I believe it's nine of the first twelve at home. Yeah. So you're looking you're looking at a chance, a real nice runway here. And and we've seen that the Oilers teams in the past that have been successful and made the playoffs, they get off to good starts. You get off to a good start, you kind of build that bank account, and and then if you have troubles throughout the year, if you have a little dip, then then you're able to survive them. I think the the problem comes when you don't get off to a good start, and then you're chasing the season all year. I think that's an issue, but you look at this this schedule, and if the Oilers come out, and, and if they can win five or six at home to start the road trip, and then they can win two more, they're in really good shape going forward, and I think that's what they're looking at, and I think that's why training camp was so important, because they get got to get off, and they got to start right away, and they know, they know they can't squander these six games. They can't squander the nine of 12 games. They, they know that the back end of that schedule, going to be a little tougher so you don't want to be chasing a playoff spot when you're playing most of your games on the road so you want to make your hay early on in the season and I think it's important to lay down a really really good solid 10 15 20 games lay down a good foundation and then go from there yeah well at least they're not starting in Europe uh, right off the season because yeah. I, I think those ones are tough to get past uh, speaking of Europe you were just there, well, recently, uh, since the last time we talked, you were going to watch Canada uh, play in some friendlies. Uh, before we get to, you know, what you thought of the squad, the, the big story of is right now with Canada is Alfonso Davies. I'm just reading he's not going to play for Bayern Munich in their group league game on Wednesday. Uh, are there some pretty serious concerns uh, for the Canadian soccer team right now with his status? Uh, no, not really. Uh, he got kicked in the head uh, mm-hmm. in a league game on Saturday. Uh, it didn't look that bad. I think we, we, I saw the replay a couple of times. It looked like someone caught him just kind of under the, che- the cheek here, and it looked like he, he, he's got a bad bone bruise. Um, and, of course, obviously with the concussion situations going on in the NFL and in soccer, I think it's more for pre- precautionary reasons. They're going to keep him out. Make sure he's okay. Um, they did call it a skull bruise, so I don't know if you—I yeah. don't know how you bruise your skull. I, I, I don't know if that's possible, but but that's what they called it. So it was a, it was a pretty big, it was a pretty good whack that he took on his face, and he bruised is bruised it up. But I think it's more precautionary reasons. And even the coaches at Byron said he'll be fine, uh, nothing to worry about. And obviously, you're you're getting into this six-week window, five-week window leading into the World Cup, and these are really really tough times for players that want to go play in the World Cup. And it's tough time for teams, too, because you don't want to put take your foot off the gas. You still have to play your league games, and you're playing league games all leading all the way up to like a week before the World Cup, which is a little different this time around because when the tournament is in the summer, you have about a month leading to the tournament, and teams have a month to kind of be together. So you have that time. But here, you only have about a week to prepare before you join your team and you play your games. Um, and so you don't want to have any kind of injury, any kind of knock, any kind of twist, any kind of anything going in there so the the good thing about it though is that this tournament will be held and the players will be in mid-season form so i think the the quality and the standard of play will be incredibly high because usually in the summer it's at the end of a year so you're either really tired from playing all year or you're a little rusty from taking a month off after your season so i think the soccer in qatar is going to be amazing and it just you just kind of hope that everyone stays healthy and everyone stays fit uh, Mm -hmm. by the time they get there 
Did Canada impress you? Um, did they show you things maybe that uh, you weren't sure that they had in them? Or what, did you see anything different from them in their two games that you saw? Yeah, I think what I saw with Canada is, is they needed to play teams like Uruguay leading up to this tournament. And I think they'll, they'll be the first ones to tell you. They, they, they should have been playing you know, opposition like Uruguay three years before the tournament, not uh, six weeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what it, what it showed is that they are capable of playing with those teams. They are capable of playing with some higher-end teams. Uh, but like anything else, you're not going to get better unless you play better opposition. So beating up on Curacao and playing Panama and playing Honduras and playing El Salvador and Guatemala, some of these teams in CONCACAF, just isn't going to cut it. It's going to help your record. It's going to make you look good. Uh, look, we can beat these teams. But you're not going to improve on the world stage unless you play these teams. And I think that's kind of a lesson that the, the Canadians know, they understand, but it's tough to get these games. So I think a good showing at the World Cup will, be a, will, will do wonders for this team because they'll be able to get those opponents, not necessarily your top-end, high-end opponents, but you'll be able to get your two-tier, second-tier European opponents, your second-tier South American opponents, and, and you're going to improve in doing that way. But I think Canada, if anything, they showed that they can play with those teams. They, 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 they belong in the same field as those teams. And if the ball is rolling their way, who knows? Uh, they could get a good result in, in Qatar. But as I talked to John Herdman about it, he goes, let's start by scoring a goal, then let's worry about winning a game or getting a point, worry about winning a game, and then worry about getting out of the group. We can't put the, the cart in front of the horse. It's one step at a time for this, this soccer team. All right, well, last time we chatted with you, uh, Dak Prescott was injured. You were heading overseas, and you were like, just the Cowboys just have to play 500. They're 4-1. They're and one. Like, they, they haven't lost. I mean, this is bizarre. And listen, I, I don't think anybody out there is saying uh, Cooper Rush is the reason, but he did keep this team afloat. Dak can come back. The defense is looking good. you got to be pretty happy. Oh, I'm delighted. You have to be delighted. They're 4-0 they're without Dak in the, in the lineup. And I think what happens, and we see this in sports sometimes, is when your star player goes down, other players pick up their game. Other players know that they have to pick up their game. They have to add a little more. And then if everyone adds a little more, then hopefully you can make up the difference. And, and Cooper Rush is doing the things that he's not doing anything outside of his realm. They're not asking him to do anything he's not capable of. He's not making mistakes with the football. He's protecting the football. And he's making some, some quality throws. You know, he's making some good throws, some good reads on, on third down. But basically, he's not. You can't be the guy that loses the game for the Cowboys, and I think that's right now is what he's doing. I think he's playing well. He's not necessarily the reason they're winning. I think defensively, they're playing a lot better. Uh, they're running the ball a lot better. The offensive line is playing a lot better. So there's a lot of factors that go in there. But Cooper Rush, like I said, just play 500, and when they get back, they'll be in good shape. And I, I don't think anyone expected them to go 4-0 uh, without Dak Prescott in the lineup. So when he comes back, the, the Cowboys are going to be in really good shape. And also because everyone else raised the standard of their play, mm-hmm. then if he comes back and that standard stays high, then I think the Cowboys could, could make some noise uh, heading towards the playoffs. Yeah, and Michael Gallup, uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a good situation. They're getting healthy and, and uh, looking pretty good. All right, my man, this has been fun. Uh, the season starts tonight in North America, starts tomorrow uh, for the Oilers and you guys. Uh, so uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully getting down there and uh, being around. And uh, I hope you like steak because I got some uh, really nice uh, GCs from Acme Meats, one of the best butcher shops in Edmonton to lay on you. So thanks, as always, uh, for joining me, DVD, and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Sounds good. Appreciate that, Dean. Thanks for having me on.
You betcha. There's Derek Van Deest of uh, Post Media and NHL.com. And yeah, guests of uh, some guests of the show in the local area receive uh, gift certificates from Acme Meats. Uh, we got uh, a turkey. We got half a turkey for Thanksgiving and another half we saved for Christmas uh, from Acme. Uh, Corey Meyer, part of uh, Canada's uh, World uh, International Butcher Team at the, uh, the, the International Butcher World Championships. Uh, so, you you know, our butcher is a superstar in the Canadian team, and their steaks are just out of this world. Uh, we had a ribeye the other night. Oh, man. So good. And whatever else you need, Acme Meats in the Ritchie neighborhood of Edmonton. Uh, so uh, local guests of that appear on this show uh, get delicious steaks. So don't you wish you were appearing on this show to grab something from Acme Meats? Mm, now I'm hungry. Now, how much longer do I have on this show? I'm, I'm really hungry. I want to get into 